You're listening to a sermon from Leewood Baptist Church. For more information about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com. If you have a Bible this morning, turn to Genesis chapter 2. We're starting our second week in our study of the book of Genesis. We're just going to be chipping away at it for a few months. We saw last week why the Bible is, or why Genesis is so foundational to the Bible. We even said last week that without the Bible, the, or without Genesis, the Bible does not make sense. That if you were to take out the book of Genesis, there would be a lot of confusion on hand. And so we see Genesis and we understand a little bit more about who God is. Remember, we saw last week, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God, that all things, that all things exist for God, that God has always existed, God has always been, God will always will be, and all of life, all of eternity is about God. That's very contrary to our, what our human nature tells us. Our human nature tells us it's all about us. But to have a proper understanding of who God is, we have to understand that life is all about God. And so we saw in the beginning, God created. And we saw that God created everything. Everything in the universe He created. We even saw that in Romans chapter 1, that God is even known in His creation, that we can know God even through creation. We can know His existence through creation. And then we saw that everything that God created was good. That as God created everything, God would look upon His creation and say that it was good. And so we have to understand that at God, as His existence, but at His very being, is that God is good. Those are one of the foundations we have to understand and believe that God is good. That everything God does, everything He creates, everything about God is good. Psalm 107, verse 1, it says, give thanks to the Lord. Why? Why are we to give thanks for the, to, to the Lord? For He is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 145, 9 says, the Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all, on all He has made. And so at God's very being, He is good. And as we'll see next week, if Satan can begin to get us to doubt God's goodness, then we will sin. And so we must believe, we must understand more and more and grow in that belief and understanding that God is good. We saw last week that God created human beings, Adam and Eve. We're going to talk more about that today. But we saw that God created human beings in His image. That's why human life is so precious, or as some people call it, the sanctity of life. Why? Because God we created us in His image. We reflect God. And so we begin this unpack and see what God has created, that it was good, that God created human beings, and then God said that it was very good. 
So turn to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 1. If you don't have a Bible and you would like one, you're welcome to take the Bible that is there in the pew with you. But take a look at Genesis chapter 2 with me. We're going to start reading in verse 1. We're going to jump back into Genesis 1 a little bit, but we're going to start here in Genesis 2 and we'll kind of piggyback off of last week what we read. So look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 1. It says this, So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. On the seventh day, God had completed his, completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all his work of creation. We talked a little bit about this week, about that last week, that when God rested on that seventh day of creation, it wasn't because God was tired. All right, God's all powerful. God doesn't get tired. What does it mean he rested? It means he enjoyed his creation. That everything that God had created was good and God enjoyed it. Let's keep going. Verse 4. These are the records of the heavens and the earth concerning their creation. At that time that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, no shrub of the field had yet grown on the land and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not made it rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground. But mist would come up from the earth and water all the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And the man became a living being. So as we saw last week, God created all the universe. God created the world. God created the animals. But then God creates man. Go back over to Genesis 1. You may not even need to turn the page. It's just on the other side of the page for me. But turn back over to Genesis 1 and look at verse 26. We read this last week, but I want us to take a look at it again. In verse 26, it says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. And so then in Genesis 2, we see how God created the man, or as we'll see in a minute, Adam. God creates him out of the dust of the earth. He forms him together, and he breathes into him the gift of life. And again, as we said last week, that God created mankind in, the, in his image. And look again at verse 26. I don't want us to miss this. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Now, who is God talking to in this moment? Let us make man in our own image. Let us make our So there is more than one something there. Like, what is going on? Like, who's God talking to? He's talking to angels. Who's God talking to? God, and this is going to be complicated to explain, we see evidence of the triune nature of God. See, God is three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all equally God, all making up God, making up one God. And you say, Adam, how does that work? I don't know. (laughs) If I could explain it to you, I probably wouldn't be here right now today. I don't know. And that's okay. 
Because that makes God, God. So we see God's triune nature here, and we even see evidence of that. Hold your finger here. We're going to be bouncing around a little bit today, so hold your finger here in Genesis 1 and 2. But turn over to John chapter 1. Just a little while ago, we as a faith family went through the Gospel of John. And the Gospel of John, first chapter, first verse, reads a lot like Genesis 1-1. So look at that, John John 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, describing Jesus. Verse 2, He was with God in the beginning. Now look at verse 3, this is describing Jesus. It says, All things were created through Him. And apart from Him, not one thing was created that he that has been created. And so we even see the participation of Jesus in creation in Genesis 1 or Genesis 1 and John chapter 1. Jesus was created Jesus created the world was in it and so when God says let us make man in our image we see the triune nature of the trinity interacting with God. And so back now you can turn back over to Genesis 1 and 2. We see mankind created in God's image. But Adam and Eve, when they are created, and we'll get to Eve's creation here in just a little bit, but as Adam and Eve are created, they are given a job to do. They're given a job to do. God created us as humans to work. It is good for us to work. It is healthy for us to work. God did not design us as human beings to be lazy, though we have a tendency to run to laziness. We are created to work. And so God gave Adam and Eve, he created them male and female, and God gives them a job to do. Because look at Genesis 1 verse 28. It says, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and the earth, uh, birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. And so God gave them two jobs. Here was Adam and Eve's job description to multiply. What does it mean to multiply? To have babies. God said, multiply, have babies, reproduce yourself. And then he said to rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth. And when we think of rule, what do we think of? We think of some king or some monarch sitting on a throne ruling. That's what we think that means to rule. But you, and we think of a ruler as someone that is like oppressive and uh, is in charge and dictates. That's not what God's describing here with this word rule. God did not tell Adam and Eve to sit back and rule his creation. What does that word rule? It means to take care of it, to care for it, to work with it. So God gives Adam and Eve two commands, multiply, have babies, and take care of my creation. 
So here's Adam and Eve there in what the, the world that God had created, and God has given them the gift of life, but God gives them a gift of life and the gift of creation, but then God gives them responsibility. So here's something else that we need to understand about God, that every gift of God comes with responsibility. When God gives a gift, you can always see this, and you see this in Scripture, whenever God gives a gift, responsibility quickly comes right back in. I think of being a parent. We say, and I say that kind of sarcastically, we say that children are a gift from God. Sometimes they feel like a gift, sometimes not. But they are a gift from God, and they are a gift from God. But God just doesn't give us our kids and say, all right, just sit back and enjoy, rule. No, we are to take care of. There is a responsibility. So every gift from God comes a responsibility. That's a reality of life that when God gives us a gift, he gives us responsibility. When God has given us the gift of salvation, if you're a believer here this morning, meaning that you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, that as you believe in Jesus Christ and you are saved, you receive the gift of salvation, but you also receive a responsibility. And the responsibility that God gave Adam and Eve in the garden God gives us as believers the same responsibility. God has given us the gift of life, eternal life. And you know what God says? Multiply. That's why Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, he says, go and make disciples, multiply yourselves, go and make disciples of all nations. And so even the free gift of eternal life, of salvation through the work and the work of Jesus Christ, even that comes with responsibility to multiply. And so even in our Christian lives, even if we are believers and God has commanded us to multiply, to have spiritual babies, if we are not doing that, we are in sin. God has given us a responsibility. Just like when God created life, he gave Adam and Eve responsibility. Just as he gives us spiritual life, he gives us responsibility to multiply. So here's my question to you. If you claim to be a believer in Jesus Christ, are you multiplying? Is there multiplication happening? Are you bearing spiritual babies? Because if we are not, we are in direct disobedience to God. We'll get more about, to more about disobedience next week. Let's keep going. Verse 8 of chapter 2. Now come back into chapter 2. God gives Adam and Eve a gift and a responsibility. But let's go down now into verse 8 of chapter 2. It says, The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had formed. The Lord God caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food, including, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as well as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so now we see God providing for his creation. God is giving Adam and Eve food to eat. He tells them, you can 
eat of every tree and plant in the garden, and we'll see next week, but of one specific tree, and we'll get to that again next week. Don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But God has provided his creation food. So we see that God is not this out-of-touch God. Yes, God is eternal. He has a divine nature. He is a triune God. He has created the entire universe. But God's a personal God in that he takes care of his creation. He provides them food to eat there in the garden. So God provided them just what they needed. And looking now back into Genesis 1, God did this, and we have a little more detail in Genesis 1, verse 29 and 30. God also said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth, and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you. For all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having the breath of life in it, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And so we don't see God as this out-of-touch God that just creates the world and lets it go. No, God provides for his creation. God provides. Now skip down to verse 15. In verses 10 through 14, we have a little bit of geography there about the Garden of Eden. We're just going to skip over that for the sake of time. If you want to read it later, you can. But look at verse 15. We're going to see now God creates a woman for Adam. And it says here, The Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from every tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on that day you eat from it, you will certainly die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. The Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal and every bird of the sky and brought each to the man to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to all the birds of the sky and to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. And the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife and they become one flesh. So God gives Adam this responsibility of the garden. He's to take care of it. He's to work with it. He names all the animals. But Adam wasn't created to be alone. It says there was no one for Adam. So God creates a woman, Eve, for Adam, a companionship, a relationship, a covenant relationship to what we call marriage. God creates marriage and God provides 
for Adam, again, he gives him a wife, a helper, and God establishes the first marriage between a man and a woman, and God created marriage, and because God created marriage, it was good. Unfortunately, in our culture today, marriage is maybe discouraged a little bit. Marriage is looked down upon a little bit. Marriage is one of those things that people hesitate sometimes to get into because fear of commitment. But God created marriage and it was good. It was good for Adam and Eve to be together, to love one another, to have relationship together, to have companionship together, to multiply, to have babies together. God created this design for marriage, and it was beautiful, and it was precious, and we see that marriage is important to God, and that God designs marriage And he designs marriage between a man and a woman. And God's design for marriage is to be, be, God's design for marriage is to be between a man and a woman. And that is how God created it. It is a beautiful, wonderful thing. God didn't create for us to be alone, but be together. And God created marriage for a man and a woman to be together to be fulfilled in life together. God's design for marriage is for to be good. And so God creates all of this in Genesis 1 and 2. God creates the the world. God creates uh, the animals and the fish and the sky. He creates the universe. He creates man and woman. And God looks out on his creation and it was good. It was very good. It was perfect. It was paradise. And we see that evidenced here in Genesis 2. And look down in verse 25, the last verse of chapter 2. Look at verse 25. And we see this world that God created, His original design for the world. And it says that both the man and his wife, verse 25, both the man and his wife were naked, yet felt no shame. So in this world that God had created, Adam and Eve have been given the gift of life, and they're living in this garden. Everything is perfect. It is is good good. There is no shame. There's no sin. There's no death. There's no disease. Everything was perfect. It was paradise. We even see when God instructed them on what to eat, God does not tell them to eat the animals. Why? Because there was no death. It was perfect. So they're not eating animals. It's a, it was a vegan's dream. Everything was perfect. It was so perfect. There was no shame and they were naked. There was no shame. They were walking around the garden naked. It was perfect. You say, Adam, that sounds crazy. I know you go into the men's locker room at y- in the YMCA. We see the world is not perfect anymore through nakedness. That's why we wear clothes now. We'll talk more about that next week. That everything was perfect. It was, it was paradise. There was no death, no disease, no sadness. There was no separation. There's no shame. Everything God had created was perfect. That's God's original design was perfection. 
was goodness. But as we know, it's not perfect anymore. Evidence of that is that you and I are wearing clothes right now. It's not perfect now. It's not good now. It's not paradise any longer. And we'll see why next week. And then we can just turn on the news and look around and we see that God's creation is not perfect anymore. We can look and see death and disease and heartbreak and wars and just see that God's creation is no longer good. It is not perfect. And if we're not careful, we can begin to doubt God's goodness because of that. We can see human suffering and say, well, God can't be good. A good God wouldn't allow suffering. A good God wouldn't allow death. A good God wouldn't allow disease. And we begin to doubt God's goodness. And we'll see why next week, why all of this is happening. And listen, I know the world today is not good. I know it's chaotic. It's crazy. It's not the way God designed it to be. But God has a plan in place to return it back to good, to perfect. And God put that plan in place. And the first step of that plan in place was to come and rescue his creation. So God sent Jesus Christ, his son, to come and to begin the process of redeeming his creation. Jesus came and he died on the cross for the punishment of sin. He took God's wrath upon sin upon himself. He paid the price for our sin upon the cross. He was resurrected from the dead to give brand new spiritual life to where we can have a brand new spiritual life through him. But the world is not yet redeemed fully redeemed, but it will be one day. So this morning, I don't want to leave us with hopelessness because we saw how Adam and Eve had it in the Garden of Eve. It was perfect. It was good. They were naked. But look at Revelation chapter 21 because God has put a place to redeem and make his world good and perfect again. So look at Revelation chapter 21 and look at verse 1. It says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be more because the previous things have passed away. 
Then the one seated on the throne said, and who do you think that one sitting on the throne is? It's Jesus. This has not happened yet. It is to come. Then the one, Jesus, seated on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. He also said, right, because these words are faithful and they are true. Jesus will say, I am making all things new. And so we know that Jesus came, he died on the cross for the payment of sin, and then he died, and then he was resurrected to give brand new spiritual life, but his work of redemption is not yet done because King Jesus is going to come, and he's going to come, and he's going to usher in his kingdom. He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth where it will be perfect. There will be no death, no crying, no grief, no pain. And so we will return back to the original design and creation that God had made. But you may be here this morning and you don't know Christ. Maybe he hasn't made you new. So I would encourage you to believe in the work of Christ and his death and resurrection and then confess him as Lord and Savior so you yourself can be made new and then you too can be in his new kingdom, that new heaven and new earth, that perfect and good world that is to come. Pray with me. God, we again recognize you as creator. We, we thank you that you created this world originally to be good and perfect, but you, you did that, but now because of sin, it's not perfect, but we thank you that you have a plan in place to return it to perfect and good. So I pray for those of us who are believers, God, it's easy for us to get discouraged and perhaps doubt your goodness, but help us know that you are coming again and you're going to return your kingdom and make it new. And we will live with you forever, and it will be perfect. God, encourage your church with that today. God, I need that today to know that you are going to make all things new again. Then, God, I pray if there's someone here that does not know you, I pray that they would trust in you, they would believe in you, that you would make them new personally, and you would make a new creation in their lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you're in the Kansas City area, we'd love to have you be our guest. We're located at 8200 State Line Road in Leewood, Kansas. Worship services are on Sunday mornings at 1030. To learn more about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com.